Well, good morning. Uh, the last few days as we've been thinking about this pandemic that's been going on around, one of the Psalms that has come to me again and again is one that I often turn to actually when I'm visiting in the hospital or talking to people uh, who have some anxiety or uh, illness. And it's Psalm 121. One of my favorites, uh, and you're likely familiar with it as well. Just a really good reminder for us uh, at this time. Psalm 121, this is the word of God. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Well, whatever you think about the current reactions that are going on in society and at every level of government, uh, frankly, whatever you think about the response that has taken place in our own church uh, to the news of the pandemic and all of the government and health recommendations and regulations, uh, the reality is we all know that right now we're living in some very interesting times and uh, for a lot of people there's a fair degree of angst and panic. One of the great blessings honestly about being a child of God is although we can recognize uh, danger, uh, we don't need to be naive or foolish, we quite literally never need to panic. And one of the reasons that we never need to panic is that our help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. You can almost imagine the psalmist in verse 1 uh, lifting up his eyes to the mountains and he's looking around and, and we don't know exactly what he means here. Uh, it could be that he's referring to mountains in the sense of high places, that is sacred spots where you had altars and temples to various deities. And he may be asking, out of all of the gods, out of all the religions, out of all the things that people worship, where does my help come from? In other words, sort of contrasting uh, the real and true and living God with all the false idols and gods uh, of the other nations. So maybe that's what he's doing. Or he could be on a trip and he's looking out and he's seeing uh, mountains almost like obstacles. I remember actually being at the, the Great Wall in China and uh, just looking over the mountain range, all the rolling hills that it's built through and imagining how difficult it would be without the wall itself, forgetting the wall, how difficult it would be to actually just traverse through that terrain. We know a lot of, uh, in ancient times, often without police, uh, often uh, thieves would hide uh, in mountain strongholds, and so crossing hills was also, you also ran a risk that way. Uh, it could be that the hills are just also very majestic, uh, and he's thinking about uh, the grandeur of God when he sees the, the beauty of God's creation. He might also be thinking about journeying to Jerusalem, the, the holy mountain of God. Uh, so, so we don't know exactly what he means, but, but he's looking at mountains, he's considering the mountains, and it leads him to ask, where does my help come from? Who am I really trusting in? Who is my security? Who is my portion? 
And the answer is that my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Heaven and earth is a merism. That means uh, it, it's giving you the external boundaries of everything. It's telling you that from one extreme to the other, every single thing in this package uh, holds together. And so if God is the maker of heaven and the maker of earth, he's the maker of everything. There's nothing in between that he hasn't made. Those are uh, sort of parentheses or brackets that holds everything together in a package. And so at this time, not only for yourself personally, not only for us as a church, but also for our witness in the world, I think it's just really important for us to demonstrate this kind of trust. As people are looking for security, we have security. We have security in Jesus Christ, our Lord, and we have security in God, our Father. He is the maker of absolutely everything. That's where our help comes from. In verses 3 through 8, the word guard is used uh, six times in these verses. Uh, the, the Hebrew word shamar is translated in different ways. Uh, it means to protect, to guard, to watch over. The NIV often translates it as uh, he who as, watch, as watches over. He who watches over you will not slumber. He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going. So that's one way of translating it. Uh, but the idea is one of protection. Uh, God is like a sentry who never goes to sleep on guard duty. He's always watching over you to take care of you. Abraham Lincoln with all the stress and strain of the Civil War years when he was the 16th president of the United States, uh, he was well known for insomnia. Uh, he'd get up and he'd wander the halls of the White House thinking and praying. Um, he couldn't sleep because of all the stress and all of his responsibility during that time. Uh, sometimes we can't sleep because we're worried. God never can't sleep because he's worried. He never needs rest, he never needs to sleep, he never needs refreshment, uh, but the text isn't even hinting remotely at the idea that, that maybe God's worried so he's anxious and he's alert for that reason. He, he's not like Abraham Lincoln uh, who can't sleep because of stress. Rather, God is awake all of the time uh, because he's omnipotent, he has all power, and he never ever gets weary. He, he's awake to watch over us. Uh, you'll recall, of course, a great scene, uh, a great scene of redemption, actually, and, and clearing up misunderstanding, reconciliation in Anne of Green Gables, when uh, this is just after uh, Anne has had Diana Barry over, and thinking that she was serving her raspberry cordial, has actually served her red currant wine, and Diana got drunk, and uh, the Berries have now uh, refused to allow Anne and Diana to spend time together. Well, Diana's parents are away, and uh, Diana's little sister, Minnie Mae, gets sick with the croup. Diana runs over, gets Anne, and comes over to the Barry house and uh, asks for lots of hot water, and actually it's sort of a bit of an immortal line. Uh, Diana doesn't have any water boiled, you know, there's no fire to boil the water, and Anne says, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but it seems to me you might have thought of this before if you'd any imagination. Uh, and so she takes control uh, of that situation, gets the water boiled, 
gets the ipecac and uh, sort of nurses Minnie Mae through the whole night. And Diana's parents are so relieved when they come back. Uh, they see the character of Anne to know that, that she in many ways functionally saved Minnie Mae's life. And there's this sort of joyous restoration and reconciliation. Anne's vindicated. There's a sense in which that's what God is doing for us. He sees that there's danger. He knows that we're in trouble. And he directs his undivided care towards us. God neither slumbers nor sleeps. He watches over you. He takes care of you. In verse 4, it says, He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And then in verse 5, it says, The Lord watches over you. Now, this is a beautiful transition. This is something for us to remember as a church family. God watches over his people corporately, but he also watches over us individually. He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. So we have this oscillation in the text between the corporate lens and the personal individual lens. God is awake. He's watching over us. He's guarding us as a church and he's guarding us as individuals. Then after that statement, you get some really beautiful merisms. Uh, verse 6, the sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The idea here, of course, isn't that uh, you know, the sun and the moon are uh, intrinsically harmful to you, uh, although in that culture, in that time, uh, place in the world, uh, in the desert, the sun actually could be a real risk for you, but the, the moon doesn't harm anyone. Uh, uh, the moon is very, very beautiful, shedding uh, her, her soft light beams abroad and uh, wishing us good night and tucking us into bed and all the rest. I mean, the moon for many of us is a bit of a comforting uh, kind of image, uh, an image of soft care and love uh, sort of by itself. So when the psalmist says the sun will not harm you by day, the moon by night, he's again using merisms, sun and moon. That is, there, there, there's nothing in between those things that's going to harm you, nothing at all. Day and night, that's all the time. And so you're being told that God is comprehensively taking care of you. The sun doesn't harm you by day. The moon does not harm you by night. In fact, the Lord will keep you, verse 7, from all harm. He will watch over your life. Then verse 8, there's another merism. The Lord will watch over your coming and going. That is, when you're home, God's watching over you. When you go out, God's watching over you. When you return, God's watching over you. God is watching over you all of the time. In fact, the text goes on to say, both now and forevermore. That's another merism. Uh, that is, God is going to watch over you from, uh, from the present all the way through the future of eternity. There is never a time when God is not going to be watching you. It's sad, actually. It shows how far society has drifted. That in all of the coverage in all the news, in all of our political press conferences, no one is saying, listen, we can trust in God. Yes, we need to take every precaution that's required. Yes, we can trust in God and still get sick. Yes, we can trust in God and we can still die. In fact, every one of us is going to die eventually from something. 
But nonetheless, through all of our life, through every moment, we serve a God who is working all things together for good, for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. We trust that the God who has given us eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ is not going to abandon us now. And so no matter what befalls us in this world, we are in the hand of God. He is taking care of us and nothing will ultimately harm us because everything in this world will be for our good and for his glory. And that's our trust. And that's the message we need to be speaking into the world today. As Christians, we need to demonstrate a proper care for others, for ourselves, proper submission to the God-ordained authorities of our land, but ultimately a trusting God that is completely countercultural. No matter what happens, no matter how this plays out, uh, we have faith in God. Where does our help come from? Our help comes from the maker of heaven and earth.